story of the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And it starts there in verse 1, And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree with Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. There hadn't been a lot changed, has there? And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth, under Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that they should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. Oh, they're the working man working the night shift. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. That includes us over here in America. <laughs> that includes everybody. What is this great news? Verse 11, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Is Jesus Christ your Savior? Can you say He's your Savior? Well, if you say He's your Savior, He saved you from something. He saved you from a devil's hell that your sin is going to put you in, and He saved you to a place we like to call heaven. The Bible calls heaven the eternal glory. It gives you eternal life. He's our Savior. Verse 12, And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude, of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on, earth, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem, and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste, and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in the manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told unto them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. And it's an amazing thing to think that over 2,000 years later, st we're still telling that story. The world still knows that story. And I, I can guarantee you on this Sunday morning that around the world, churches all around the world are getting up and they're reading this story and they're thinking about this story. This is a story that's so wonderful, so amazing that 2,000 years later, people crowd into a church so they can hear this story one more time. This guy is pretty special. <laughs> this happy birthday that we sing to this guy, this guy is pretty special. But I want to focus back up at verse 7. And this is where my sermon is going to be this morning. Up and back up at verse 7. And it says that she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger. Because, why? Because there was no room for them in the inn. They had no place for Jesus Christ. There was no room for them. And I want to preach this morning as why is there no room for Jesus Christ in people's lives? Why is there no room for Jesus Christ in people's lives? Turn to Mark chapter 12. So I ask the question, why is there no room for Jesus Christ? Why doesn't the world make room for Jesus Christ? Well, I'm going to give you some answers. If you just turn a couple of pages to the left to Mark chapter 12, verse 28. Why does the world have no room for Jesus Christ 
You know what, uh, Mark chapter 12, verse 28, we're about to start reading there, but if you think about it, there's no room for Jesus Christ in any of this world. They make no room for Him. There's no room for Him in the schools. There's no room for Him in education. There's no room for Him in the government. There's no room for Him in science. There's no room for Him in medicine. They don't want to make room for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, this sweet sister Linda, she was telling me a story that she had done this wonderful painting for this girl's home where you walked in there and it was, it was, a, it was kind of a, basically try to talk them out of having an abortion. And it was a, a, a girl's home and she had made this beautiful painting and she'd, it was supposed to be placed when you walk in the door, it was supposed to be placed right there and she put a bunch of biblical verses on there and had this wonderful painting. And she said when she got there and she got it there and they said, well, we're not going to be able to place it there. That's just too religious. So she said, well, you know what? If you don't want it, I want it. Yeah. And she took it, she took it with her and she gave it to a, a, a pastor that loved it and wanted it in his ministry. They have no place for Jesus. There's no room for Jesus. And that's what I want to preach this morning is why is there no room for Jesus Christ? He's special enough that we talk about him every year at this time. I mean, this guy's so special that people get together and talk about this one guy. He didn't shoot a basketball goal. He didn't score a touchdown. He didn't win a Super Bowl. He didn't run for office. What did Jesus Christ do that makes him so special? He didn't pick up a sword. He didn't conquer a land. All he did is walk around and talk about loving people and forgiving them of their sins. What makes him so special? He's the Son of God. And he did something that no one has ever done. And that includes Muhammad, Buddha. You just put a long list of them. I don't care what you're talking about. Nobody's ever done this. He said, Martha, I am the resurrection. And when he died and went in the grave, he came up the third day. Amen. That's something that nobody else has ever done. But the question is, why is there no room for Jesus? Well, let me show you one reason why. Look at verse 28. Mark chapter 12, verse 28. And one of the scribes came and having heard them reasoning together and perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, which is the first commandment of all? So this Scribe asked Jesus, which is the first commandment of all? Verse 29, and Jesus answered him, The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Look at verse 30. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. One of the main reasons that there's no room for Jesus Christ is because He doesn't want a little room in the back of your heart. He wants your whole heart. Jesus Christ doesn't want you to take Him and put Him in a little closet in the back of your heart somewhere. Jesus Christ comes in and He says, I want your whole heart. Amen. He says there, uh, with God, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, with all thy strength, with everything. Jesus Christ wants everything. He doesn't want to come in and be just a little part of your life. Jesus Christ wants to come in. He wants to be the Lord of your life. We call Him Lord and Savior for a reason. He doesn't want you saying, well, if you need me, I'll be back here in the back. No, Jesus Christ says, no, I'm here and I'm going to be leading you. Because you're a sinner and you need somebody to lead you. And you want to bow down and say, Lord, my Lord and my God, like Thomas said. My Lord and my God. People don't like Jesus Christ to be a big part of the life. They want to shove him in a little corner. They want to keep him over there in a little corner and say, okay, you just stay over there and if I need you, I'll come get you. 
Amen, Brother Keegan. That's exactly what people do. Don't fool me. I know people. That's what people do. They want to keep him over here. They don't want him to interfere in their life. They don't want him to be, don't get in my way. I got too many things to do, Jesus. But the reason why there's no room for Jesus in your heart is because he's going to come in. He's going to take over. And he's going to be the ruler of your heart. He, wants to, he don't want you putting him in a little closet. The, the main thing, guys, is people are so shameful that they take Jesus and they treat him like a spare tire. You know, Jesus should be running the show. He, he, you know, I've seen these bumper stickers that say, God's my co-pilot. That's stupid. God shouldn't be your co-pilot. God should be your pilot. You're on the side. Let him drive. But the world, they not only are not letting him be their co-pilot, they're not only not letting him ride in the front, they put Jesus in the back as a spare tire. So if, if they have a flat, boom, oh, I have some kind of trouble in my life. Well, let me run back here and pop the hood and let me pop the trunk and get this spare to get Jesus out in my life and bring him back into my life. And as soon as that storm of life passes through, as soon as that storm that you're going through in life comes through and goes back and you start seeing the sunshine again, you start forgetting about Jesus Christ and you're relegating to putting him back in a closet and he's going to be back in the back. Jesus don't like that. Jesus wants room. He wants the whole room. He gets all the honor and glory. He gets all the praise. It's all about Jesus. This church, if you're coming to this church, maybe you're visiting for the first time, this church is all about Jesus Christ. It's not about me. It's not about the singing. It's not about the missionaries we support. It's first and foremost about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We try to lift Him up in everything we do. If we're on the radio, we try to lift Him up. If we're in the newspaper, we try to lift Him up. We're not trying to glorify this church. We're not trying to glorify the Baptist denomination. Most people don't even know we're Baptists. We're just trying to glorify Jesus Christ. That's what I'm here for. And I want Him to be the Lord of everything. And the world don't like it. They don't want him to be a part of their business practices. They don't want him to be a part of their relationships. They don't want him to be a part of their sexual lifestyle. They don't want him to be a part of their TV watching. They don't want him to be a part of their party. In other words, Jesus Christ, when he comes into your heart, he starts controlling everything. And he wants everything of yours. And we want to we put him to the side and say, well, I'm going to watch this on TV, Lord, but you know, don't watch this now. Well, we don't understand as Christians is once you're a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, the Bible says, and we know this to be true, the Holy Spirit comes in and starts dwelling in you. He's your, you're the temple of the Holy Ghost. So everywhere you walk, Jesus is walking. Everything you see, that's right, Jesus is seeing it. Everything you're watching on TV, Jesus is having to watch. Everything you pick up and read, Jesus is having to read. Everything you listen to, Jesus is having to listen to. Listen to me. That's the reason why people don't want Him in their life. They don't want to make room for Jesus Christ. Because they don't want Him controlling things. Amen. <laughs> you know, I was thinking about, when I was thinking about talking about that spare tire, and people treat Jesus like a spare tire. There was a couple of drunks. That, they, used to, they were drunks. And they were at Victory Baptist Church, Junior Cochran, and Brother Russell, Stanley Russell. And they, they grew up together drinking, doing a lot of heavy drinking. And then later on they got saved. They got into church. They were good church members though at Victory Baptist. But they told, used to tell a story that when they were driving around drinking, they both were drunk. And they were driving around one of those old cars back in the 70s. And Junior was driving and Stanley was riding around there. And they're driving along drunk. And they'd been drinking. And all of a sudden, boom, they heard the tire, they heard the tire go flat. Boom, they had a, they had a blowout. And, ah! Junior, 
man, he got that car under control and got it pulled over to the side of the road. And old uh, Brother Russell was slapping old Junior. Man, you did a good job of driving. He goes, yeah, man, I did. And they got out and they got to looking. It was the spare tire and the trunk had blown. <laughs> yeah, he did a pretty good job of driving, didn't he? Yeah, the spare tire had blown. Let's not put Jesus Christ in a back room. Amen. Amen. Let's not put Jesus Christ in a back room. Let's put him up where he deserves to go. I want to put him up in the front of my heart. I want him. That's why there's no room for Jesus, because they know this guy, he's going to take over. And he deserves to take over. And if you're smart, if you're smart, you'll let him lead you and guide you and direct you. My life, I've been letting Jesus Christ, I got saved when I was about 17. I started letting the Lord lead my life when I was about 28, 29 years old. It was the best decision I ever made. I'm not saying that everything that's happened wrong in my life is me messing it up, me screwing it up, me not doing things right. But if I can ever get out of the way and let the Lord lead me, man, things go so much better. Things go so, so much better. Look at Job chapter 21. Job chapter 21. I'll show you another reason why people don't want Jesus Christ in their life. They don't want to make room for Jesus Christ. There was no room for Jesus Christ at the end. And there's no room for Jesus Christ in people's life today. It's kind of sad. Job chapter 21, verse 13. Job chapter 1, verse uh, 13. Look at verse 13. Job talking about wealthy people. They, send, they spend their days in wealth and in a moment go down to the grave. I don't matter, it don't matter how rich you get in this world, you're still going to die. Amen. And what's interesting is how some rich people die quick. And you can die real, real quick. And even if you live to be 100 years old, you're still going to go down into a grave. There's an old guy that uh, I see him at Walmart all the time. I see him walking around all the time. And this old guy, he's always got a hat on and says, I love Jesus. And he always walks around Brownwood. And if he sees you, he weighs at you. And if you slow down, he'll say, Jesus loves you. And if you run into him at Walmart, he always is talking about Jesus. Jesus is the Lord of my life. Jesus Christ died for my sins. Jesus Christ bled, his precious blood covered my sins. I'm saved thanks to Jesus Christ. He'll preach at you everywhere he goes. And this guy's 94 years old, and he's still getting around really good there in Brown. When I ran into him at Aldi's, ran into him at Walmart, and we kept running to him. I was talking to him, and we got, he got to talking about living in the 20s, and I'm like, this, this guy's old. And I'm not trying to be mean, but I thought I was around some old people at church, but this guy's old. <laughs> I like how the old people laugh. I love that. Y'all young people. This guy's really, really old. And he's getting around really, really good. And you know what he, you know why he, you know what he gives the credit to? Jesus. And I'm telling you, if you'll stick up for Jesus, pronounce Jesus Christ, glorify Jesus Christ, you'll give the Lord a reason why to keep you down here. Amen. But look, they spend their days in wealth, and in a moment they go down in the grave. Listen, look at verse 14. Therefore they say unto God, Hey, depart from us, for we desire not the knowledge of thy ways, what is the Almighty that we should serve Him? And what profit should we have if we pray unto Him? They tell God they're wealthy. They got everything going for them. They say, why do we need you around? Why do we need Jesus? 
The second reason people don't make room for Jesus Christ is they see no benefit of having Jesus Christ in their life. He's inconvenient. He's inconvenient. They, they, they think of Jesus Christ and like, I don't need Him. And for American Christians and for, Amer for an American society, this is a major problem because America is so wealthy and so well off. So many of you guys are not worried about what you're going to eat tonight. Amen. You're not worried about your clothes. Y'all got up. Y'all got your clothes on. We're living in such a wealthy, filthy, rich society that the poorest people in our society is like the rich people over in Africa. Mm -mm, yes. <laughs> y'all are, are spoiled rotten. And when you get to talking to somebody who doesn't know Jesus Christ in this spoiled, rotten society, they're like, what do I need Jesus for? And you try to talk to them about sins. You try to talk about, you know, I'm not knowing you worse than my neighbor. I'm just trying to live what's right. You know, they have no conviction of their sin. They have, they have no need for God. And that's what Job is saying here in verse 14. Therefore they say unto God, depart from us. We desire not the knowledge of thy ways. We don't need you. What is the Almighty? Well, who's God? That we should serve Him. Why should I serve God? No, no, notice, notice in verse 15, there's something very important. That's what I'm trying to point out to you. What is the Almighty that we should serve Him? Notice what they say. And what profit should we have if we pray? What profit should we have if we pray unto Him? Everything's about profit. Everything's about, what's it do for my, for my bottom dollar? What's it do for my wallet? It doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't help me to get ahead. It doesn't help me to get rich if I serve Jesus Christ. And I'm here to tell you this morning, it's probably not going to help you to get rich in this world serving Jesus Christ. You know why? You're going to have to be honest. <laughs> you can't be crooked. There's going to be business dealings that you can make a lot of money off. You say, well, I can make a million dollars if I would just lie about this right here. And if you're following Jesus Christ and allowing him, allowing him, make room for Him in your life, He's not going to be happy about you doing that. And you know it. And it's going to keep you from doing, it's going to keep you from doing all those crooked things that people do to get rich. Now, there's lots of rich people that love the Lord. That, I'm not saying if you're rich, you're not saved. I'm not saying if you're rich, you're not right with God. I'm just saying it makes it really, really hard to serve the Lord and to be rich. It makes it really, really hard. They say, why do I need God? They've got all their spirit. They got all their food, they got all their clothes, they got everything they have, they're, they're just buying themselves. And they don't need God. And what they're forgetting is they have a spiritual need that's never been fulfilled. In America, we have all our physical needs took care of. Most of us in here, if we want to go to Dallas-Fort Worth, we get in a car and we just drive up there. We can drive two and a half, three hours, four hours, eight hours. We just drive and drive and drive. And a lot of us don't worry about gas money. Man, we're so spoiled rotten. We're spoiled rotten. We are spoiled rotten. And you get a hold of somebody that doesn't know Jesus Christ, I don't blame them. Because they're like, Jesus Christ, he's going to make me uncomfortable. My friends are going to laugh at me. Why do I need Jesus Christ? You know, uh, Brother Ray Comfort had a great point about this. He said, if you go, if you get, if you give, if you, somebody's on a plane, if life is an airplane, and you, you're going through the airplane, you're saying, here, Jesus Christ loves you, Jesus Christ wants to help you, here, take Jesus Christ, and if somebody is, is wise enough saying, well, I, I see how Jesus Christ has been good for you, so they take Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ is like a parachute, and they put Jesus Christ on, and they're flying in that plane, and after a while, what's going to happen? It gets uncomfortable. You're flying in the plane, and you got that parachute on your back, and you're trying to sit, and you're like, oh, this is kind of uncomfortable. 
And, and you're like, well, I know Jesus loves me, but this, I know this is kind of uncomfortable. And I know I've heard that Jesus makes things better, but man, this sure is an uncomfortable way to live. And you take that backpack off or you take that parachute off and you're going to throw it down at your feet and you're not going to want to have it on. And he said, but you can't come to people like that. You've got to come to people in the airplane of life because we're all in the airplane of life, brothers and sisters. You come to people in the airplane of life and you say, listen, i got some news you need to know, some bad news. This plane is going down, it's going to burn. It's going to crash and it's going to burn. And the only way out is to take this parachute, its name is Jesus Christ, and if you take this parachute, you'll be able to jump off this plane, this plane of life that's going to go down and burn, and you're going to get saved. Now most people on that plane would say, I believe this guy, I believe it's going to burn. Give me that parachute. And it doesn't matter how uncomfortable that parachute is. It doesn't matter how uncomfortable it makes you. You're going to cling to that thing like it's your very life. Because you know, I've got, I want to be saved. Amen. So I'm here to tell you is you don't realize if you're in here as an American and you're wealthy and you're living as an American, you don't realize your spiritual need. You have a spiritual need. All your physical needs are took care of. We know that. Nobody's, nobody's going to argue about how you're, you're took care of. You're rich. But your spiritual needs are very, very poor. Amen. You're as poor as it comes. And if you don't take Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're going to go down with that plane, it's going to crash and you're going to burn. Let's turn back up the heaters. I'm talking about hell. Let's turn back up the heaters. I'm making light of something that shouldn't be made light of. It's as serious as I can get. You have a spiritual need, and you need to take care of that spiritual need. I don't care who you are in here, if you're rich, if you're wealthy, if you're poor. We all have a spiritual need that we're sinners, and we need Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Amen. My uh, pastor that I was under for years and years, he started down in Houston, down in the 40s, and he said he got on fire for the Lord. So he went around, and he was door knocking, knocking on people's doors, telling them about Jesus Christ. And he showed up at this, uh, had these real rich houses, and he knocked on his door, and it was a doctor. And this doctor came to the door and he said, yes, sir, what can I do for you, son? And um, Brother Packer says, I want to talk to you about Jesus Christ. And that doctor said, I, I, don't, I don't need him. Go down there to the poor people. The poor people need Jesus. I'm okay. And he shut the door. That's a man that doesn't understand his spiritual needs. I don't care if you're a doctor, if you're the president of the United States, I don't care who you are, you need Jesus Christ. You need to make room for him. And the whole world says they see no benefit of having Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And I've noticed in my, my work as a pastor, I've, I, and it might be in your life, don't let it come to this in your life, I notice as a pastor that the only time God can get a hold of somebody and get their attention is with their health. These people in America, we live rich, we live like we want to live, we do what we want to do. People complain because maybe they don't get to buy everything they want. That's, that's their complaint. But it takes God reaching down and something happening with their health or somebody dying. And I see this at funerals, somebody passing away and they walk and you'll see the conviction or say, uh, 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 Brother, Brother Keegan, I'm going to get back in church. I want to get right with God. And they mean it. They really, really mean it. But then they walk out of there and they walk out of the church and they walk out of the funeral home and they get away, and things start, life starts crowding into that room, and they don't make room for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And it's a sad thing. Because the most important place you can make in your life is for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. They just say Jesus Christ is inconvenient. You see, the world thinks of Jesus Christ as nothing more than just an inconvenience. He's kind of like, they think of Jesus Christ kind of like that relative. And I hope I'm not going to step on any toes. 
That relative that, sh- that, <laughs> that relative that shows up around the holidays, and, and you're like, oh, no. And the whole time that they're there, so everybody's looking over at their friends that showed up today. And the whole time the relative's there at the holidays, you're just tapping your foot, waiting for them to leave, you know. Like, man, when are they going to get out of here? I told my wife, I've had missionary friends stay with me, and, and I love my missionary friends, but I told my wife, I want them to leave because I want to go to the refrigerator in my underwear. <laughs> man, I, I don't like this. I like to walk around, you know, like I like to just walk around free in my house, you know. And I don't like this, man. And uh, that's what uh, Sister Carolyn taught me. She said, fish and company stink after three days. Fish and company stink after three days. And, and you get tired of them. That's how people feel about Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ comes into their life. Things are wonderful, but then, you know, they start getting, oh, he's wanting me to do this, and he's wanting me to do that. Listen to me. If you'll just bow down and look at him as the Lord of your life, which he is, he's all-knowing, which he is, he's powerful, which he is, he's got the best intentions of you in heart, at heart. Yes, he does. If you'll just allow him to start working in your life, he'll make a big difference in your life. Let's Let's look at the last one. It's found in 2 Timothy. Let's look at the last one. 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Why is there no room for Jesus Christ? 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 1. Why is there no room for Jesus Christ? Well, because they want to make him, put Him in a little room in the back of their heart, and Jesus wants the whole heart. And the other reason is because is they see no benefit and having Jesus Christ lodge with them, why have Jesus Christ come in? He's an inconvenience. And the third reason I'm going to give you this morning why people don't want to make room for Jesus Christ is simply found in 2 Timothy chapter 3. Pardon me, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. Verse 1 and 2. Paul says here, some, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, For men shall be lovers of their own selves. So the simple truth is the reason why people don't make room for Jesus Christ is because that room is already full of themselves. They put themselves in front of everything else. If there's anything about this Bible that goes against human nature, this Bible goes against your nature is simply this. This Bible tells you to care about others. 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 Jesus Christ, when he walked on this earth, Jesus Christ was a king of kings, was a prince of prince, was a lord of lords. Jesus Christ was God manifest in the flesh. And here's God that should be worshipped. And Jesus Christ went around and he got down and he would wash, wash the disciples' feet. He would get down and he would take care of people. Jesus Christ was a servant. Amen. And this Bible teaches us to be, to be a servant. And this room that people have, they fill it full of themselves. And that's what the world teaches you. And that's where the world's wrong. If you want to have a happy, productive life, think about others. Got real quiet in here. (laughs) Think about other people. You know what happens when you think about yourself? I'm serious. If you think about yourself too long, you realize, I'm no good. (laughs) I'm stupid. I've done this stupid thing. I, I, I do stupid things. I think stupid ways. I do, you, you, you realize you're stupid. But if you'll stop thinking about yourself, amen, and say, well, what about them? They need some help. You'll have joy in your heart. 
And Jesus, that's what Jesus said, it's more blessed to give than to receive and to start giving yourself and to give to others. But the Bible says in the last days, for men should be lovers of their own selves. There's no room for Jesus. I, it's all about me. And I deal with this, guys. When I try to invite people to church, I try. people give me 1,500 reasons why they don't come to church or why they won't receive Jesus Christ. I get the reasons all the time. They'll tell me, they'll tell me all kinds of different reasons. They'll say, well, I don't have time to go to church. I, 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 uh, I don't have the right clothes. I don't have the gas money. Uh, I can't get out of bed. It's too it's hard to me to get out of bed. My favorite one is to say, well, the church is full of hypocrites. I hear that a lot. Church is full of hypocrites. I heard one guy tell me, well, all y'all preachers want is money. And I said, well, come over to my church. Nobody's going to put an offering plate in front of you. And nobody has this morning. Amen. Had an offering plate. I don't want your money. I, I want Jesus Christ to have your soul. You know, that's what it's all about. But they give me all these excuses. Now, these same people, now listen to me. These same people that make all the room for themselves are the ones that don't have time for any of this. I go by... At 7.30 in the morning, it's cold and it's wet, and there they are standing on the sidelines of a soccer field, and they're out there with their kids, and, they're ki and the kids are kicking the soccer, and they're clapping, and they're running, and I'm thinking, how much money did they have to spend to get their kids into soccer? How early in the morning did you have to get up to go watch your kid play soccer? You got all the time for you and for sports, but you don't have no time for God. I don't want to be in that church that's full of a bunch of hypocrites. They don't stop you on Friday night when everybody, all the hypocrites are crowded up there cheering for your football team. You're right there with them. <laughs> you can cheer for your football team with a bunch of hypocrites, but you can't come and cheer with God and for God and for Jesus Christ with us bunch of hypocrites. Did I say I wasn't a hypocrite? I'm a hypocrite. But so are a lot of other hypocrites. The difference is I'm a hypocrite that loves Jesus Christ. I'm a hypocrite that knows I'm a hypocrite and I want to give the glory to Jesus Christ. I want to be a better hypocrite. I don't want to be such a bad hypocrite. I want to be a better hypocrite. You want to help come with me and maybe we can together be better hypocrites? Come on into this church. But if you want to start making excuses and making all these excuses why you can't have Jesus Christ in your life, go right on ahead. But I think at the end, when God puts you before Himself and you have to stand before God in judgment, He's going to bring some of this stuff up. I really believe that. He's going to bring some of this stuff up. You have all the time for, for your sports. You have all the time for TV. You have all the time, but you're not giving any time to God. You're not making any room for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. There's no room for Him. There's no room for Him because you got yourselves put in there. For all men shall be lovers of their own self. Look at this list, guys. Man, this list. Woo. Look at this list and start in verse 2 and we'll close. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. It keeps going and going and going. And I'm here to tell you, if you will take Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and allow Him to have the room in your life, give Him all the room in your heart, you'll be the total opposite of everything on this list. Amen. Amen. Jesus Christ can make you the total opposite of this whole list. If you read this list with me, there's nothing good about this list. Nobody wants to be called any of this. Start back at verse 2. For men should be lovers of their own selves. If you know Jesus Christ, you'll love others. Covetous. With Jesus Christ, you're going to be giving. Boasters. With Jesus Christ, you're going to be humble. 
proud, you'll be humble. Blasphemers. With Jesus Christ, you're going to be praising God. Disobedient to parents. What's that? That's every time you step into Walmart. If you don't know, you haven't seen that. Go into Walmart. Go by the toy section, and you'll see that verse right there played out right before your very eyes. No, I don't want, no, I want this. I seen this kid, and, and he's at Walmart, and he's like, I don't know what he's wanting. His mom's like, let's go, let's go right now. He's like, no, and he just threw himself on the floor, and I'm like, ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> mm. I almost said, I almost walked over there and just went, pulled my belt off. Here you go, lady. Take right after it, man. I'm watching. I won't let nobody get, I'll, I'll cover up the security cameras. Whip him, whip him, you know. Wow, man, I, this is the kind of parent I grew up under. My mom called, I called my mom from my friend's house. I said, Mama, I'm going to stay over here at Christmas a little bit longer. No, you're not. You're coming home right now, so my mom said. I said, no, I'm not. Click. As soon as I put that phone down and heard it click, I went, I think I made a mistake. <laughs> and I turned to my friend Chris, and I said, she, he said, what did she say? I said, she said, well, she said, I need to be going home. But I, I don't, you know, I, I had this doubt started creeping in because I knew my mom. Mom was about this tall. <laughs> little bitty lady. Little bitty Irish lady. But she was mean. <laughs> my mom, she got one of the best jobs in Brownwood at the time when she was 18 years old. And she, off the showroom floor, she, floor, she bought a 1968 Camaro Super Sport. So it was nice. And right about that time when I walked out my friend Chris's door, I heard it. And here it comes. I was like, oh. And I ran towards my bike, you know. And I jumped on my bike, my little bitty legs. I was probably about eight years old, ten years old. And here comes my mom. She got there and she flew that, that Camaro's door wide open. Here's this belt about this long. And she like used it like Indiana Jones. And man, I was trying to drive off. No, mama, no, mama. She said, ka-cha, ka-cha, ka-cha. And she just whipped me like a stepchild, man. And I remember, I, was, I, was, I tried to get away from her, you know, and I got away. And I remember, and I went and I hid up in an alley, <laughs> crying, you know. <laughs> and I was hiding in one of those alleys, and I could hear that Camaro. <laughs> she was looking for me. It was a long time before I went home. I, let her, I knew enough about the Irish temper. You let them calm down a little bit, you know. You let them, let them calm down. Being disobedient to parents, if you know Jesus Christ, you'll honor your parents. You'll be obedient to your parents. That's the first commandment with a promise. Unthankful, you'll be thankful. Unholy, you'll be holy with Jesus Christ. Without natural affection, you'll have that natural love for everybody. Truce breakers. Truce breakers. You'll be a peacemaker. False accusers. You'll be honest. Incontinent. Now, incontinent's a strange word, but it's meaning, it means that you, you, you have no, uh, you don't, you're just not willing to, to keep your passions under control, particularly your sexual pa passions. You see this in America today. People's sexual passions are just crazy, running wild. It's called incontinent. You'll have your passions under control with Jesus Christ. It says it be, they're, they're fierce. We'll, you'll be kind, despisers of those that are good. You'll love those that are good, and you'll hate the evil. Verse 4, traitors. Traitors, you'll be faithful. Heady. Heady means to be rash and hasty. Heady means to be rash and hasty. You know what? You'll be prudent with Jesus Christ. High-minded. 
You think you know more than everybody else. You'll be humble-minded with Jesus Christ. Lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. That's a good one to close on right there. This whole sermon's been about that right there. There's no room for Jesus Christ in people's heart because they're lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. And when you get to know God and you say, not only is God wonderful, but He is my Creator. And He has a right to do with me what He wants to do. And when I told you that story of my mom and how she did me, some of y'all were like, oh my gosh, that's horrible. Yeah, the CPS probably would be called nowadays. But I had it coming. I deserved everything I had. She's my mom, and if she tells me, get my rear end home, I better get my rear end home. Why does she have the right to do that? Because she's my mother. <laughs> and God's your God. And He's your Creator, and He has a right to do with you what He wants. And you need to stop loving pleasures and loving this world that's doing nothing for you and say, you know what, starting today, I'm going to start loving God and doing those things that pleases God and be a lover of God than a lover and a pleaser of myself. For of this uh, verse 5, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, from such, such, turn away. You know, we have the best thing going in Jesus Christ, and I can't uh, thank the Lord enough for coming down and being born of a virgin. That's a wonderful thing. But the world loves to keep Jesus in a, in a manger as a baby. And they love that because they can control the little baby. Look, it's just a little baby. We can control that, but that's not where he stayed, praise the Lord. Jesus Christ didn't stay in the manger. He came forth and he got forth and he went to a cross and died for minding your sins. He didn't stay there either. They took him down, he died, and he went into a grave. But he didn't stay there either. And he came up out of that grave and he went on to heaven and he's at the right hand of God. Amen. Amen. And he's not going to stay there either. Amen. Here's the next step. And you might see it with your very eyes. He's coming back. He's coming back as Lord of Lords and King of Kings. And Revelation 19 describes it. He comes back with this crown sticking up. He's got this white robe that has King of Kings and Lord of Lords written on it. And he's on a white stallion and he's got a sword and he's coming back. And this isn't the guy that's a lamb. This is the lion of the tribe of Judah. And he's coming back and he's going to rule and he's going to reign this earth. And if you're a born again believer, you'll get to rule and reign with him. But the bad news is, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, He's coming right at you. And hell's a-coming. And the only thing I can tell you, you can get out. This plane is going down, like Ray Comfort taught. This plane is going down, it's going to burn. But you can get out with that Jesus Christ, the parachute. And back when I was 17 years old, I took that parachute and I said, I want to go to heaven. And I took that parachute and I'm not telling you it's been comfortable. I'm not telling you people haven't made fun of me. People have made fun of me. Friends have mocked me. I've lost friends because of Jesus Christ. But I'm going to tell you, I know this is my way out and I'm not letting Jesus Christ go. So if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior this morning, come on down here. It's a simple step out of faith. Jesus Christ said, if you believe in me, he that believeth in him is not condemned. In other words, you believe, you just take, receive, you know you're a sinner, you repent, you know Jesus Christ died for your sins, you take him, you got salvation, you got heaven. You, he that believeth in me is not condemned. He that believeth not, you believeth not, is condemned already. You're just walking towards a judgment, you're just walking towards a sentencing. 
But me, I was one day walking towards hell, walking towards judgment, watching, walking towards God in my sins. And when I, I stopped, I heard a preacher preaching. I received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. He took me. He washed me with His precious blood. He started dwelling in me. He turned my direction around. Now, I'm not saying I'm perfect. I'm not saying I'm doing things that are great. But I know one thing. I'm going to heaven now, and I'm not going to hell. Praise the Lord for that. If you want that, it's your opportunity this morning. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for taking care of me, Lord. Father, I thank you for coming in as a, as a little baby. Father, being raised by Mary and Joseph, Father, I thank you that you came and you preached to, excuse me, you preached to us the gospel. You gave us the truth, Lord. I thank you for going to the cross and dying for my sins and everybody in here's sins, Father. We're just sinners. We can't live that life that is expected of us. Lord, it's impossible, Lord, but we see and acknowledge that that is the right life. And Father, we thank, that, thank you that since we can't live that life, that you through Jesus Christ have given us that life in Jesus Christ. And we get into him. He's our parachute. He's our safety vessel. He's our way home. He's our ticket. He's the key to get in that door, Lord, of heaven. And we thank you so much for him. And we give Jesus Christ all the honor and glory this morning. And if there's somebody underneath the sound of my voice that's never took Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, not for sure where they're going, Father, I just pray when we give this invitation, they'll come on down here and get saved. And, know, and leave these doors at Christmas time with the greatest gift you give mankind. And that's the precious blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. I'm praying all this in the precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Brother Matt, let's have an invitation. Hello, friends. This is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you would go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3, verse 16, and most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now that's an amazing verse, of course, talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world, but... Verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on, on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it and if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a Savior right now. 
the same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13, he sums it up, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you. And until next time. Casting all your care upon him.